You are tuning in to the Milk Carton Series. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today we discuss the disappearance of Courtney Holden. Courtney Holden was born on February 28, 1992. When she was young, she entered into the foster care system and soon was placed in the home of Judy Holden. Not long after, she was adopted by the family. Judy and her husband were known for taking in foster care children. According to one former man who lived in the family home, he claims that the family began taking in children as a form of monetary gain, but had later turned towards being very abusing in this place of care. And this is like a lot of foster care homes. You hear a lot of children who grow up into teenagers and even teenagers, they have been in a home where they experience physical and sexual abuse. At the time of her disappearance, Courtney was living with Judy, her son, and her adopted brother, Joshua, who had moved back into the family home in 2014 after his parents' divorce. The four lived on East Harrow Avenue in Northeast Spokane, Washington, near Rogers High School. Joshua was known by friends and family as being very violent and angry and for displaying erratic behavior. He had also been diagnosed with schizophrenia and had an extensive arrest record, which included unlawful imprisonment, domestic violence, and a conviction of burglary. He also was accused twice of rape, once in 2003, another in 2005. In the later case, which was 2005, Police were in the midst of obtaining DNA evidence when the victims stopped cooperating with prosecutors. Now, Judy and Joshua were known to refer to Courtney as Sydney, short for Cinderella, in reference to the amount of housework chores they made her do. She wasn't allowed to leave the house during any daytime, so only would be seen in the evening while doing yard chores, and Joshua had installed numerous security cameras outside of the home. Like, can you imagine living in a home and someone is like watching your every move and you're a grown woman? So this resulted in Courtney becoming very isolated with anyone around her. And she was prevented with from interacting with any of the neighbors. And she was also not allowed to like be online and this this really came from Joshua, who he would not allow her to have a cell phone, have access to a car, or to create any profiles on social media. And we live in a world, you know, where social media is rising, right? So neighbors have reported that Courtney confided in them numerous times regarding her fears of Joshua and his very overbearing rules. One regularly noticed that she had bruises on her which she attributed to Joshua beating her. And another said Courtney would ring them in the middle of the night crying and telling them how out of control Joshua had been. And to make matters worse, Courtney had a son and Judy and Joshua made the son call them mom and daddy. And they would refer to, the son would refer to Courtney as her, by her name. Can you imagine having a kid? You're living in this home, you really don't have any family because you grew up in the foster care system, and they're making your child call them mom and dad and not you when you are his. 
So this is when it gets into the disappearance of Courtney. So Courtney was last seen in July of 2018. There hasn't been a specified day, but neighbors recall that was kind of the last time anyone had ever seen her. One neighbor recalls seeing her leave the house carrying a large duffel bag in which Judy was chasing after her, telling her to come back into the home. And the incident basically ended in Joshua forcefully picking her up and carrying her back inside the house. Around the time she was last seen, a neighbor reported seeing Joshua setting up spotlights in the backyard for two nights in a row while he constructed a swing set. This has struck them as very odd as he was building this swing set in the middle of the night. So whenever anyone inquired about where Courtney was, Joshua and Judy would offer up different explanations, including that she was off traveling with a boyfriend who worked as a long range truck driver, or that she had ran off with a fiance, or that she was in the house but did not wish to speak or see anyone. They basically came up with so many lies that they could not keep it straight at all. Courtney was not reported missing until October 8th of 2019. So can you imagine? This girl was not last seen until, uh, you know, last seen in July of 2018. So it had been almost a year, a year and a half before she was even reported missing. And you're probably wondering, well, dang, where's the child's father? Well, the child's father did not have custody of the kid because he was on drugs. He had substance abuse of some sort. But the girlfriend in which that was dating the baby daddy um, would come and visit and see the son. And that struck me as very odd because I was just wondering, like, well, if you guys came and would, like, see the little boy, like, did you not notice that, you know, she wasn't around? And as I was reading an article, it basically did state that they would never see, you know, Courtney in this time frame, that the that Judy and Joshua basically come up with another story as to why Courtney couldn't come out or whatever the situation was. And that struck me as very odd because if that's my, if that's my, you know, my boyfriend's son and I'm going to, we're going to visit him in this home where she's staying, I would at least want to see her. I mean, that's like a year and a half of not seeing her. But nonetheless, they created this own little scenario about where Courtney is. And I think that's truly trifling to say the least, because, you know, you took it in your own rightful manner because this girl really doesn't have family because she grew up in the foster care system. You knew no one was going to look for her. <laughs> like that was honestly the most realistic thing I can think of. But what's crazy is the day the missing person report was filed, Joshua and Judy withdrew $600 from Courtney's account. And in that same day, a woman claiming to be Courtney contacted the crime line who spoke with the police dispatcher. Now, it turned out that this was the adopted sister who was asked why she did this, but she never revealed why she pretended to be Courtney. But on October 9th of 2019, there was more investigation into Courtney's son because every time the person would visit, they basically said that they never seen Courtney. And that's like I said previously, I don't get why they went a whole year and a half 
of not saying anything, you know, and it kind of sucks because that's like a whole year and a half. Courtney probably is already either gone because they still have not found Courtney. But on October 10th, Judy allowed the police officers into her home where they came across an extreme amount of clutter. She had items covered from every inch of that house. They looked in Courtney's room and found that along with just as it being cluttered in the like the rest of the home, the bed was bare of sheets and blanket. And according to investigators, Judy was quite nervous while they were in the home and had panicked upon losing sight of one of them being behind a closed door. They were barred from looking inside Courtney's son's room as well and were told to leave not long ago. Then security footage was uncovered, which showed Joshua, Judy, and a small child purchasing groceries using Courtney's food stamps. And even so, like one point in an investigation, a police officer stopped past the home to discuss the disappearance of Courtney. And Joshua had told them that he wasn't able to talk. He was taking care of a sick cat, y'all, a sick cat. But the officer, of course, basically knew he didn't want them entering inside the home again. But on October 24th, a search warrant was executed on the Holden residence. It was discovered that Joshua and Judy had moved away, taking with them their six pets and the DVR from the home surveillance system. The search uncovered 82 pieces of evidence, including Courtney's ID cards, numerous computers, 18 cell phones, handwritten blackmail notes, and the missing woman's journal. Police would later search the home with cadaver dogs, but nothing of value was ever uncovered. And as I was reading that, in the article, I was like, well, they legit had like so much time ahead of them because no one came looking for Courtney. No one really spoke up about Courtney. So really, they had so much time to develop a plan of action if or when someone would come for Courtney. Now, in the mid-November of 2019, a cell phone number associated with Joshua and Judy were deactivated. But then two new phones with Texas area codes were activated the same day. Child, I be thinking that sometimes folks be real low-key dumb when they're doing stuff. So about a month after Joshua and Judy left Washington, a neighbor called the police to say that there was activity at the home. It turned out to be Judy's daughter and her husband who had flown up from Texas to check on the home. And that's like, really, y'all? Really? They told investigators that they, had seen, they hadn't seen Courtney in almost two years, and Judy was off on retirement on a road trip. There was a contradiction in both stories when it came to the location of Courtney's son, because again, you know, they took Courtney's son. While Judy's daughter said he was with Courtney, her husband revealed that the child was actually in the company of Judy and Joshua. Now, if you're going to lie, how your husband don't even know the same story that he's supposed to be talking about? You know what I'm saying? But in December 2019, Joshua and Judy were located. They were living with a relative in Plano, Texas. Courtney's son was with them and was swiftly placed in the care of Child Protective Services before he was reunited with his father. Thank the Lord, y'all. When I read that, I said, you know what? Maybe this is like the wake up call that he needs. And I pray that this baby is doing okay now. 
But nonetheless, the pair were arrested with the aid of other police agencies and were charged with identity theft for accessing Courtney's bank account and custodial interference in relation to the concealment of her son. Thank God they went into her account. Thank goodness they took her money because you can't just go on somebody's account and take their money. Like, who you think you are? Especially this girl being a whole grown woman at that. But despite them being arrested, they did not find any trace of Courtney. And it's so sad because we all know what they have done to this girl. And it sucks because what did this girl do to you? She was living with you guys. She was doing everything just as if like in the movie of Cinderella, taking care of your home. And y'all treated this poor girl like crap. Like, who are you to just do that to someone? Like, I will never understand. And it's such a shame. So, so police were able to locate a vehicle and travel trailer belonging to Judy. This travel trailer was located in an RV camp back in Oklahoma, where Judy and Joshua had checked in under false names in November of 2019. Now, in March of 2020, a Spokane lawyer took on the case in defense of Joshua and Judy. He requested the courts release the pair from custody at the time because they were fighting, you know, getting back to Washington. But he also says that they are willingly to make their way to the state in order to reveal the truth regarding Courtney's whereabouts. While he would not provide any new information regarding her location, he did say he planned to find her as a part of Judy and Joshua's defense. The lawyer argued that the judge ordered Judy's release in light of COVID pandemic and removed Joshua's felony warrant so he wouldn't be rearrested. While the judge wouldn't squash Joshua's warrant at all, he did say that Judy could be released if the Spokane Police Department could confirm that Courtney's son was safe. Now, hold up, wait a minute. Ain't this some crap? Like, excuse y'all. But, you know, sometimes this is just how it goes. So that same month, Joshua was released from federal custody in Oklahoma due to health concerns in light of the COVID outbreak, you know, that's been occurring all over the world. It's crazy how we're really in October now and we're still battling COVID, but he was returned to jail in Texas, which is like crazy. Crazy is I don't know what, like shouldn't even got out anyway. I just feel that some people like that just don't need to get out. But nonetheless, police have spent months interviewing witnesses in order to determine what exactly has happened to Courtney in the Holden residence at that time. They have went out and said that they believe Courtney is to be deceased as their investigation has not turned up any evidence to show the opposite. Her friends also feel this is also the case. Joshua and Judy remain the primary and only suspects in this ongoing investigation. And it sucks because, you know, you have a person who is like controlling he probably over you know over controls his mother and then you know he has Courtney into the situation and she probably was speaking up for herself and he didn't like that I believe that Joshua definitely had something to do with her disappearing you know I believe that his controlling nature and past criminal charges had something to 
you know, come into play, especially because he was in the backyard doing God knows what at at nighttime. Like, huh? Like, come again? You know, it's just like the things add up and point to him. And I feel like his mother, she's, you know, she's just as guilty because she didn't do anything probably to stop him for, you know, harming Courtney. And you didn't even think about her son. Now her son has to grow up without his mother. And no one should have to deal with that at all. So that is the disappearance of Courtney Holden. She was last seen in Spokane, Washington during the summer of 2018. At the time of her disappearance, she was a 26-year-old who stood between 5'5 and 5'7. She weighed approximately 150 to 170 pounds. She is Native American heritage with black hair and brown eyes. Currently, her case is classified as an endangered missing. If alive, she would be 28 years old. Those with any information regarding the case are asked to contact the Spokane Police Department, and everything will be linked down below so you guys can check it out. You know, I say that in all my videos, but I'm going to make sure it is listed in this podcast episode when you go and look at the description of it all. It's truly sad that we have missing women and men, children, you know, across the world, and that's why I feel like we give them their their voice when we talk about their stories and we share their stories because it matters. And, you know, Courtney's son and family who have known her, friends, they deserve to know what has happened to her. They deserve to know or to put her to rest if she is, you know, deceased. You know, I always try that little bit of hope and faith out there. But, you know, it's truly sad that these two would take this girl in and then harm her in such a way. So that is today's episode, guys. I will see you next Monday for another milk carton series. So guys, hope you all staying safe and sound with COVID and doing everything that you can do to wash your nasty hands. Bye guys.